Welcome to CoachCast from IECL by GrowthOps. CoachCast is a source of knowledge, insight, and wisdom for coaches and leaders looking to go further. In our podcasts, we take an immersive dive into the minds of extraordinary people and bring you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and influential coaches and thought leaders. In today's podcast, our host Renee Holder will be speaking to Andy Johnson, who is coaching and education executive with the IECL, a role that advises and supports the strategy and approaches for coaching, development, and accreditation. Andy is the director of Total Focus, where he works with athletes and sporting organizations to understand a relationship between mindset and results in order to increase consistency and performance. Andy has previously worked on the Gold Coast 2018 Commonwealth Games and spent over five years in learning and capability consulting roles with the Suncorp Group. Andy comes from a professional rugby background before moving into a physical education officer role with London Fire Brigade back in the 2000s. So with one foot in organizations and the other on the sporting field, he brings an interesting background of experiences. I'm sure you will enjoy listening to this podcast. Let's welcome them both. Andy Johnson, welcome to IECL CoachCast. Thank you. We are thrilled to have you with us today. Thank you for being here. Andy, you are a coaching and education executive with IECL, a role that advises and supports the strategy and approaches for coaching development and accreditation. You are also the director of Total Focus, where you work with athletes and sporting organisations to understand the relationship between mindset and results in order to increase consistency and performance. You've previously worked on the Gold Coast 2018 Commonwealth Games and spent over five years in learning and capability consulting roles with Suncorp Group. And many moons ago, you were a professional rugby player before moving into a physical education officer role with London Fire Brigade back in the 2000s. So with one foot in organisations and the other on the sporting field, you bring an interesting background and set of experiences. I'm sure our listeners will enjoy hearing from you today. Thank you. It's quite bizarre hearing someone talk about my, my past. <laughs> and from your past, what, what do you see are the parallels between organisational and sports coaching with having a foot in each of those camps? Um, I think probably more so in current time. Um, the, um, the focus on bringing a coaching approach. So and what I mean in terms of what we would call a coaching approach from that ability to ask questions. Um, it's moved away from um, sort of, I suppose, coaches having uh, more of a, um, let's go with an aggressive approach, you know, and doing, doing far more um, telling. It's moved from my observation and, and, and my in, in involvement into far more of a um, questioning and, and more of a having that, that growth mindset piece um, is definitely becoming more um, prominent and, and more um, favourable. And how have you benefited from that varied experience? In, in this particular, how do you see it's benefited you and your coaching practice? Hmm. Um, so I, I think, um, I suppose from a, if I look at me and uh, as an individual in my coaching practice, um, yeah, when you play sport at that level and you're around sport, it's highly reflective. Um, there's a lot of um, uh, feedback and there's a lot of practice. You know, you, you, you spend a huge amount of time um, 
um, training and refining certain aspects of how you play, excuse me. Um, and I think when if I look at my coaching practice um, over the years, it's been continually honing those skills, developing those um, skills, pr- practicing it, you know, taking on board you know, um, feedback and being quite comfortable to... Um, uh, to not get it right every time, if that makes sense, you know, because things don't always go well when you're when you're playing sport and you're working with athletes. Um, you have a game plan. It's like with a coaching session, you may have a um, intention for the session, but when that uh, when the whistle's blown, um, and or when you know when you ask the first question to the counterpart, you've got no idea what's coming. So it's that ability to um, to sort of coach and or play in the moment. I think. No. Gets me a bit curious about what you think executives could learn from mm. athletes. Mm-hmm. Can you share some insights around that? Yeah, um, one one insight that I, I picked up from a, um, a prominent, well-known um, New South Wales and Australian former rugby league player was he uh, when I heard him speak, and it really you know, landed with me. Is that um, <clears throat> in sport you you train every day to perform once a week. Right? Whereas in the corporate world, they're performing every day, um, but often get no training at, at all. So I think the, the executive coaching component can form part of that training. You know, it allows them to, to have someone outside of the environment they're in to, to speak with, to connect with, that can, that can um, challenge them. So it can form part of that, um, part of the actual training piece. Because I think just to reflect on um, the development um, and the lack of it that actually occurs, you know, with the senior executives who are in extremely high, high pressure roles, is it's quite interesting when you when you spend time because there's a, they often, uh, I find that executives want to know what's happening in the sporting world and also vice versa. So, I think there's a there's a real place for executive coaching to play probably um, a greater role than it than it does in allowing them to, you know, um, grow and develop all of their all, all of their skills. That makes me um, wonder too about the sustainability of it because athletes are expected to perform at, at high levels, you know, at their peak and and executives these days are also in, in, in increasingly complex mm-hmm. environments expected mm-hmm. to do the same. Yep. So, so again, you know, how can one inform the other in terms of being able to maintain those peak levels of performance? Mm. I think there's an there's an appreciation for the or there's a lack of appreciation um, for the impact um, from a stress level on the executives that are at that level, um, and I remember you, you you mentioned the time that I spent at um, Sun, um, Suncorp that some of the um, executives that I work, worked with there um, opened up on. Um, uh, the choices they put into place of how they actually unwind, um, mm-hmm. they weren't healthy choices, right? So I think there's a big place in that to look at um, professional athletes, um, how are they how are they supported you know, from um, um, you know, physios and um, psychologists and you know, strength and conditioning and you know, all that you know, in terms of they're really looked after so they can perform. Because they're an asset, you know, they are they are a um, uh, entity to a certain degree. So, if you look at the executives, and there's lots of talk around um, uh, longevity when you get to the top of the you know, pyramid or to the top of the ladder, there's virtually no support for them. 
So, yeah, um, I can't imagine there'll be an um, ice bath in the corner of an office somewhere. But, you know, uh, what education or, or what support could be put in play to appreciate what they go through um, so that they can you know, maintain that level of performance and they can, you know, recharge? Um, I don't think you're ever going to have two CEOs and you might sub one out. <laughs> but I think there are there are some pieces that you know, that could be put in, could be put put into play. And what differences have you seen? Because we talked a little bit about what each could learn from one another and and some of the similarities. But mm. what do you see as being distinctly different between, say, the sporting field and the executive there around the boardroom? Um. <laughs> Um, physical phys- physical contact is often frowned upon in the boardroom. Um, I, I, I um, yeah, well, joking aside, I, I think there's um, um, yeah, both are are very goal orientated. Yeah, both are you know whether they're chasing the win or, or they're chasing um, a sale or they you know they want to um, yeah look at their figures you know and how they're reporting their figures for the investors and and that sort of piece. Um, yeah, I think there's 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 a link there. So did you ask if there was a link or there was differences? Differences. Differences. Yeah. I apologise. Um, I th- so there's a link there, but I think how they connect with that is quite different. Um, yeah, I've I um, I think within the um, organisational world and and the corporate world. Um, uh, one big piece of me is they don't tend to celebrate the, the you know the the um, successes, um, and I've seen teams that I've worked with um, and individuals they they do spend time to you know celebrate and actually learn, um, and that's something that I haven't observed um, greatly in in organisations. You know, you, you get to the end of the financial year and you go out for one night and then you're back in the following day and you know new targets are set. Um, I also in sport. Yeah, you, know, you, you have a coach, as in you have a coach, we have a manager, or, you know, of that team, um, who can you know, makes choices, makes selection. There's a there's a bit of a policy in play, and they may often move people around. Um, and their role is to coach. They're not on the pitch as well. They're not you know involved in the game. But uh, you'll find that in, in organisations, the team leader or the you know the executive or the CEO, yeah, they're expected to lead and coach, but they also have a role to play. So they're kind of wearing multiple hats. Um, and that's potentially one difference where they could learn from each other to sort of really isolate some of those roles if they want to lift performance. Um, how do they step back a bit and be able to actually, you know, almost sit up in the stands and actually view what's happening. Um, the other sort of, I suppose, main one popped into my head there is there was a lot of, there's a lot of um, data, a lot of um and I just said the word data and um, uh, analysis over everything. But in sport, it's very much geared towards performance of individuals and and teams. Whereas in you know the the organisational and corporate sense, it's it's more related to um, yeah. It, it's not so individually you know focused. So yes, I might complete my performance review in that sort of sense. But do you really spend time understanding me as an individual and, and what I need, and um, you know, allowing me to individually grow? And what's my what's my place in in the team? Uh, and yeah, I think occasionally then you know you have. I could go on if you want me to go on. Yeah, please I think do. in yeah, if you look at um, a sporting team, and I've worked with, well, I've played rugby, but I've worked with uh, netball, and I've worked in you know with other um, uh, a- athletes. They have those on-field captains, 
you know, and we may have team leaders, but we don't, I don't know how, there's a, I think they could play a, possibly a, um, a stronger role, you know, or, or more of an influential role um, of how they bring that team together, how they sort of, you know, um, connect with each other. And some of the most successful teams that I've, that I focus on, that I've worked with um, in the sporting sense, um, they're extremely well looked after in terms of everything is, is you know, is, uh, everything is taken care of them in terms of financial advice, um, family, you know, if, if they're, um, you know, if they've moved to the area, just all those really finer details so that they haven't got to worry about those so they can really focus on their on-field performance. And I think sometimes in the corporate world, in the ex- executive space, that isn't, that isn't, there's not a, as strong a focus on that. You, know, you might come in and have an induction and be given a new, a new pen, um, but I think there's a lot more that could be done to welcome people into that, to that environment, to that team, to that organisation, um, because you want them to slot in to be able to um, perform. So I think if you if you really focused and you went down, there's there's quite a lot that is quite vastly different, um, and there are pros and cons of of, um, of um, both. But there's a I think the um, the well-being piece and the individual piece in terms of um, support is something that I believe. Um, organizations and CEOs um, would benefit from you know um, both individually and within their own organizational space mm. so all that considered which one do you prefer working in um, <laughs> I like variety <laughs> um, I find it more challenging for me to work in the corporate space I think being a um, a, a coach, you know, you can going in is you know is fantastic because you're there to do a purpose. You're not involved. I don't. I, I don't think I could go and work in that environment again full full time. Um, I like being able to come in and, and you know and just sort of um, coach people and, and and do my piece and then step out. Um, I think the sporting world is is a bit more honest and a bit more brutal. Uh, I think corporate and, it, and 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 that doesn't mean in terms of um, yeah um, um, aggression or you know, language, they're, they've, they're very much focused on having conversations and, and sort of taking that part out of it. But I think they're a little bit more brutally honest because every weekend or, you know, they either win or, or they lose, you know, or, you know, or, you know, otherwise. So they can, they get that continual recognition, you know, and they're, they're continually working on something. So I think sometimes in, in the organisational sense, um, yeah, things can be hidden, they can be swept under the carpet. So, um I'm going to sit on the fence with the answer to your to, to your question there. Okay. And I'm curious to know because your professional rugby playing career, you know, let's face it, it was a while ago now, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure, <laughs> okay. I'm sure it impacts how you show up as a coach today. Mm-hmm. Could you talk to that a little bit for our listeners? Because many of our listeners are coaches, and they're looking at what you know, sets them apart from others, Hmm. you know, their signature presence, (coughs) the sorts of things that we often talk about. And I wonder how that shows up for you. Um, I think I'm very comfortable in uncomfortable situations. So I think when I I was, uh, it was 20 years ago, just to put a a figure on it, put a number on it, uh, when I was a a professional, you know, I played in the environment with um, world champions and you know um, people that have been very successful at that point and then um, previously. 
and you got to be able to you got to be able to hold your own. You know, I was quite a um, quite an imma, immature twenty year old um, in both you know in, in every sense. So um, I had to really had to really work hard. You know, in terms of um, bringing a lot of physical presence. I wasn't the biggest kid, um, so I had to really work on that. And I think I think what I learned from that is I can. Yeah, you, know, um, you learn to be adaptable, you know, for the for the different environments that you that you step into. Because, like, you know, I played rugby in um, all corners of the world in some ho- uh, hostile in- environments and some wonderful environments. And um, yeah, when you step into coaching, yeah, it allows you to. I think it's allowed me to be comfortable to coach people in in a variety of organisations. Um, uh, yeah, at a variety of um, levels, and be comfortable in 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 who I am and, and how I can hold that space. Um, but then, how I can how I can um, um, up up my game, if you want. I think you know when you when you break sport sport down, we used to you know break it down into sometimes you know ten minute increments. You know, I'd, you know, you talk about getting getting into the game, which meant, you know, catching your ball or calling the right calls or, uh, you know, putting in a, in, a, in a big hit. So I think when I get into coaching, I like to make sure that, you know, like I'm fully warmed up, if that makes sense. Um, and then how do, I, how do I get into it? How do I ask a couple of questions? How do I connect with the person that I'm sitting in front of? But then being aware, you know, when the, when the session's moving on, then you might move um, you know, I, I don't take a half-time break, um, but you know, when you move past a certain point, how do you ask a, you know, that um, uh, that next challenging, um, you know, question? So, um, I haven't thought about it in that way before, but um, I think the main piece is that I'm, yeah, you know, it's allowed me to be very comfortable in in some challenging in, in environments and really hold my, you know, hold, hold my space because you know, you're playing sport and there might be two minutes left on the clock and. You got to line out, and you know I've got to make the right call and make the right play. So um, it's knowing when to ask that particular challenging question or when to step back a little bit, and um, that sort of that that, that sort of um, pace. And you know, mm. occasionally I wear shorts and yeah, you know, and pull 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 my socks up. <laughs> <laughs> when you think back to twenty years ago and some of those coaches that uh, you worked with back then. Are there particular styles or characteristics mm. that stick with you, and and potentially you see could have translated quite well into corporate life? Uh, one of them, yes, and one of them, no. Okay, uh, but I think they came into my life exactly the right time. So when I was seventeen and I was um, going up through the um, um, the representative, you know, um, a level. The particular coach I had at the, um, the time, and people may not know what I mean, but he was a um, uh, yeah, pretty rough um, East London yeah character, um, covered in what I would call traditional t- tattoos. So now their tattoos are quite trendy, but I mean, you know, love hate on the knuckles and everything else. Um, but it, yeah, as a seventeen-year-old, sixteen, seventeen-year-old, as, as I was then, he really set. Um, he set a real standard of in terms of how, how you behaved. So, you know, what we called him and, you know, we had to come and say hello when we came into the game and we had to say goodbye before we left and uh, really set a, a, a high work ethic. So I think that could translate. 
his choice of language and how he chose to motivate people, um, I think was perfect for me at that age, but probably that wouldn't work in the corporate corporate space. Um, but you know, without him, I wouldn't have got the, the professional contract that I got. A couple of years later down the line, when I moved to a, a different club, the coach there had a completely different um, approach. Uh, I never heard the guy um, swear in four years. It was a real team ethos. We all got invited to his house for um, Sunday lunch at you know, some point, so he invited us into his um, uh, family. And um, every... and then I, you know, I, I um, remember this pretty vividly, but you know, every single pre, pre-match... Um, uh, yeah, motivational um, speech, if you like. He never mentioned a rugby in, in any of them in four years. So he would connect with uh, with other sports or something that was happening in in the media that related to performance, you know, or or how you challenge yourself. So he really challenged our thinking to you know, to look at what we were doing from a different from a different sort of um, different area. And he was far more conversational. So he, you know, looking back now, he had a far more of a coaching approach, as, as we would call it. To how he coached us as um, rugby players, so um, he has had a very successful career in the in the, you know in the corporate sense, uh, so in the corporate space. So, but yeah, they both came into my my life at exactly the right exactly the right time. And I'm sure there's a few clients and counterparts you've worked with who said that you came into their life at just the right time. <laughs> <laughs> what was it that drew you to coaching? Um, so. Uh, when I was working in the London Fire Brigade, um, I think by accident, so I wasn't operational, right? So I was the first non-operational trainer they ever um, employed. Um, but by accident, because I, you know, I wore the same uniform, so I wore, you know, I, I wore the badge, you know. Um, and part of the team that I worked in worked with firefighters that were deemed unfit for duty, so they'd failed their um, their medical. Uh, and they would rather come and speak to us in the team that I was in than go and speak to the people in the white coats. So I, yeah, I just found it quite natural to sit and talk to people. And I was, I was the youngest person in my team by fourteen years. So I was having one-on-one um, conversations with guys that were, you know, they were my dad's age, um, and they, uh, they seemed to connect with me, and they seemed to open up and, yeah, and really, you know, share. Yeah, you know, a, a lot of um, personal stuff, and I just I I found it natural and I enjoyed it. So um, when I moved to Australia uh, and I you know worked in a few other um, a few other smaller um, organisations, I just it was something that I found quite natural. Um, I also before I moved here, um, I had a speech impediment throughout my entire life, and it came back um, quite. Uh, aggressively when I was in my early t- 20s to the point where I couldn't actually, I wasn't confident enough to order a train ticket. So I had some really bizarre experiences in some train stations in London where I couldn't get two words out. But my job at the time involved public public speaking. So I worked with a um, hypnotherapist. I thought he was going to do the whole, you know, look at the watch thing. But he just literally spoke to me. And um, just made me, you know, close, close my eyes and go into a um, uh, uh, meditative state and sort of, you know, connect with it. And my, yeah, speech impediment still comes back if I'm tired or, you know, there's certain certain words that I struggle to get out at, at times. But it's it's never been an issue for 
15 odd years. And I just, I looked at that and I thought how powerful that was. Just, I only had two sessions with him because he was very expensive. But I found when I looked at what he was doing and I looked at what I was doing uh, when I was working with these um, firefighters, I kind of thought that's what I want to do, but I didn't know what that was. So that's, you know, I, um, through a housemate when I first came here, I, I got I got invited to one of our um, showcase events, which is when I met Chip and the team and did the finger and thumb thing for the first time. And, yeah, and then I just kind of um, pursued it from there and uh, I, I made it part of my role at Suncorp um, before I did my, you know, level one, two and three pretty qu- quickly, so... So some of our listeners won't know what the finger and thumb thing is. <laughs> Without giving too much away, mm-hmm. could you talk about the, I suppose, the essence of that hmm. activity? So the essence behind it is that um, quite often we we uh, we know how to do something. So we you know we actually know how to do it. So you know for um, you know, sticking your thumb in the air, we know how to do that. Um, but then actually. Um, Doing it sometimes, so it's it's that it's that uh, knowing doing gap. So, yeah, knowing how to ask questions. Right, we all ask questions. We all ask questions the entire time. But when you come into coaching, it's being able to ask um, open questions and really powerful questions. So it's that gap between knowing something and then actually doing it to that next level. So that's what the um, finger and thumb thing is, without giving too much away. Mm. Better leave a bit of mystery there. <laughs> <laughs> Now, a really generic open question and take this wherever you like, uh, where do you see coaching going? And you could answer this in the context of sort of general organisational coaching, the work you're doing now and where you see that going or maybe that connection again between sport and corporate. Mm. Uh, okay. Um, so on so one sense I see coaching going in the space of really informing leaders, so uh, it being a... Um, a capability that is now that becomes part of um, uh, leader profiles is quite a common common term. So, how does a, a leader bring a, a coaching approach to how they how they lead? But, <coughs> excuse me. But I I also see um, I don't imagine it's too far away that it becomes re- regulated. You know, I think there's becoming an increased understanding of you know the the variety of um, Governing bodies, you know, that are out there. If that's the correct term, yeah. So the ICF and the ACCC, ACEMCCC, yeah, yeah. And all, and all <laughs> those, <laughs> yeah. Because um, yeah, I'm already, I'm already becoming, I'm already noticing that um, I'm meeting people that have been coaches but haven't got any qualifications because people are asking to see their qualifications. So I think it will become more regulated because I think there's an increased understanding of what it is and the benefits of it. Um, so I, my, 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 my view of the future is that um, yeah, people will become more, more comfortable saying they, they, they have a coach um, and I think there'll be um, a stronger influence um, of coaches in organisations. Potentially on, you know, I think not on a, um, not on a, you know, being employed internally, but, you know, maybe, you know, having, you know, longer contracts and, you know, working and, and really having a partnership. Um, that's where I would see it going in, in that sort of corporate, corporate um, um, space, if you like. I think in the sporting sense, what I'm seeing and what I think I'll continue to see is what we call a coaching approach to sports coaching. So far more conversational, far more asking questions, um, yeah, especially when you... Um, I think if you um, living in Brisbane now, uh, 
and having a um, a family that are well connected to the Brisbane Broncos and that sort of piece. There's a lot of talk around um, their coach, uh, Anthony Seabold. And if you watch the any of the games and they have a camera in the changing room at half time, um, he came under some criticism because he splits the he splits the actual squad, if you like, into little groups, and they have a conversation around what's working, what's not working, and it's really putting the um, really Im- empowering athletes because as a coach you can't jump on the field and you know and do it for them. So I think there's that coaching approach and understanding the benefits of um, player and athlete development from a from a, from a, a mindset point of view. Um, I think there's there's quite a big quite a big little piece there that will that will play out. Um, I also think coaching will become more available at, at a lower level. I think in some organisations it tends to be once you get to a certain level and uh, and above. Um, uh, but I, I think there's they're starting to understand that you know the benefits for, yeah for people that are they are they are happy and they are comfortable and they like working you know in as as a team member but they also benefit from having some uh, having some coaching so i think there's um, i think there's there's quite a there's quite a large opportunity there so as a final question we're coming towards the end of our conversation today could you share the sort of work you're enjoying most at the moment what are you doing that you're really passionate about uh, in in both spaces yeah okay so i think um, with us at icl Growth ops. Um, I like the variety in, in my role, which confuses people because I have a, a long job title, but no one really know, knows what it means, and we tend, tend to change it occasionally. Um, I, I enjoy meeting people that have no experience of coaching, uh, and they want to understand what it is to benefit them from having coaching, but also from them uh, as a leader or as a manager or as an as an employee. I think it's. I, yeah, I enjoy when you you know when you get a surprise. So you know, someone comes back in when they're doing you know one of the public programs or the corporate program, and they share with you the impact making one or two changes has had on their home life because you're dealing with humans as a whole. So they'll be focused on how they are at work. It affects how they are outside of work. So I kind of you know I enjoy hearing those sort of stories and that you know knowing that you're that you're making a, a bit of a difference in. Brisbane and and that Queensland market, and I've had the um, I've had the pleasure over the past year of going to some um, different places. Um, a couple of names of the towns that I've been to areas I can't really not sure if I'm pronouncing them correctly. But you're working with leaders in in, in industry that have had nothing. They've never really experienced. No one's ever sat them down and had a conversation about them or given them the opportunity in a sixty minute coaching session to really talk. And it's quite fascinating. I love to put. I would love if we were allowed. And here's my wish for you: if we could put a video camera on 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 some of the you know on the doors of some of our training rooms to capture how people arrive because their faces are often quite um, frowned, and then to actually watch how they leave. And it's that little difference that I in you know enjoy, whether it's in a one-on-one or whether it's in a um, in a in a team environment. Um, I also. From a sporting sense, you know, I in, in, enjoy being able to work with a variety of athletes um, who are, you know, um, at different phases of their career, and you know, taking that same approach. So, starting to 
increase their self-awareness and um, asking questions of them and how does it impact their performance and getting the opportunity to work at a bit of a higher level. And I think there's a, there's a, um, you've got to really have the trust there because I, I, yeah, my experiences is that there's, um, um, there's a level of uncertainty, you know, that in terms of, you know, what are you, what are you doing and what's the impact and, what does that take away and what does that add? So it's just, it's working with, I think the, um, this is when I sound old now, when the, the younger generation that's coming through, um, yeah, I think their needs are vastly different in both areas. So it's being able to connect with them and then educate other people around how do you lift performance, how do you maintain performance, how do you ask questions that really open people up and, you know, and sort of challenge their their thinking. And I've never, I've never touched wood, finished a coaching session or, um, you know, any, um, you know, um, program that I've been involved with, no one's ever told me they haven't liked it. Yeah, some people, they, you know, they, they don't always connect with you as an individual, but no one said they don't, they don't like it or they didn't get anything from it. So I think when you can work with those people and you're, you're allowing people to grow and you're challenging their thinking, that's the work that I, that I like doing. I like doing a bit of, you know, I like doing a variety of things. So, um, yeah. And we like you doing a variety of things, <laughs> Andy. So thank you. It's been a really interesting conversation today and I'm sure our listeners have enjoyed hearing your insights around, you know, those parallels and some of the distinctions between mm. the sporting world and the corporate world. Mm. A little bit about your long ago professional career. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I think some learnings in there for coaches but also for leaders too. Uh, yeah, so thank you. Really, really fascinating conversation and, and great to hear some of the work you're doing and the things you're passionate about. So thank you, Andy. We'll Pleasure. Up there. Thank you. We hope you liked today's episode. If you'd like to get the next episode automatically, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. Please leave your feedback, questions, and a five-star review. Share this podcast with whoever you think would benefit from the topics we cover. Thank you to our hosts and special guests for the great insights gained in today's episode.